Hey, how's it going? And happy Mother's Day to all you fantastic moms out there. This is the Mother's Day edition of the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast. I was very privileged this week to have four of the greatest moms on the face of the planet give me the opportunity to speak with them on the podcast this week. I was very privileged. Uh, we had Dr. Angie McCartney. That's the mom of Sir Paul McCartney. We had Dr. Anne Maria DeMars. That's the mom of Rowdy Ronda Rousey. Then we had comedian Michelle Trena. She has a daughter named Grace. She's a fantastic single mom, an entrepreneur, got her hands going in a lot of stuff, divorce diaries, prop box players. We'll be talking about all that and more on the podcast. Not to mention my mom, Odessa, who we all call Nana affectionately, her grandkids since she's had them. So Nana was on there helping me with Dr. Anne-Marie DeMars, and I had a really good time. And I wanted to say thank you to all those women out there that are moms doing their thing, uh, unsung heroes of this world. Couldn't do anything without you. Uh, thank you for putting up with all of us children, you know, uh, from birthing us to putting up with our snotty noses and our crying and our dirty diapers and our teenage attitudes and whatever else we give you in this lifetime. Uh, very grateful to women. Lady power, rock and roll. I'd also like to take this time to thank you, say thank you to my listeners, uh, moms, dads, cousins, friends, aunts, uncles, fans, listeners, whatever. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to listen. I enjoy this little podcast. It wouldn't be possible without you tuning in. So thank you very, very much. And like I said, happy Mother's Day to all those fantastic moms out there. And without further ado, we'll get these interviews started. Hope you all enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. On this happy Mother's Day edition of the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast, this next fantastic mother was at one time the baddest woman that walked the face of the earth. Then she gave birth to the other baddest woman that's ever walked the face of the earth, Dr. Anne Maria DeMars, mother of Rowdy Rhonda Rousey. She's an American technology executive, a teacher, mentor, a scholar. She is an author and a practitioner of judo, not to mention she is the first American. I did not say the first female or male, the first American to win a gold medal at the World Judo Championships. Um, She was one of the nicest, kindest, uh, soft-spoken, intelligent human beings I ever had the privilege of talking to, and I really enjoyed my conversation with her. Um, She's a fantastic woman. I really uh, enjoyed watching her in the Ronda Rousey documentary on Netflix called Through My Father's Eyes, and uh, just a blast to talk to her. Real sweet lady. Uh, Happy Mother's Day to her. I hope she's enjoying her day, and uh, well, all of you others that are moms. So without further ado, let's get on with that interview. Here we go. Anne Maria DeMars, uh, first of all, you're, uh, thank you for taking the time to speak with me and my mom, Odessa, on this Mother's Day podcast special. Um, we we're glad to have you. We watched you recently on the documentary of your daughter, Rhonda Rousey, Through My Father's Eyes, and we're really privileged to be talking to one of the baddest women that's ever walked the planet. Well, I hope I can live up to that. <laughs> And the mother to the other baddest that was our that was our first question. What was it like being the baddest lady ever being the first American to win the gold medal in eighty four and then giving birth to the other one? How cool was that how what what kind of life is that? It's got to be amazing 
Well, you know, when I was competing, I had a great time. I, I, you know, and it's true when people say no pain, no gain, and all that, but I had a great time training every single day. And mm-hmm. when I hear people talk about, oh, and I sacrifice this and that, and, and yes, you do sacrifice. I mean, you don't, you know, certainly my career early on didn't go as fast as it could have because of all the stuff I was doing, but I really enjoyed it. And yeah. I, I think that people who don't, if you don't, you should quit and do something else. Mm-hmm. You sound like so much fun. I'd just like to live next door to you. You could be my best buddy. <laughs> um, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've seen some of your work, and then, you know, of course, uh, uh, following Rhonda and you now on Instagram, and they say you had the meanest arm bar that ever was. So, uh, I mean, how did you perfect such an art of, like, clenching somebody's arm to where they tap out or whatever? You know, what's really funny is I – injured my knee when I was really young. Mm-hmm. So when I was 17 and surgery wasn't the way it is now. And they told me if I didn't quit competing, I would not be walking when I was 40. Oh, and wow. I was not really willing to accept that I couldn't compete anymore. So I went and focused on that work. And really for me, it wasn't that much of an option. Like everybody else was trying to do the pretty throws and everything. And I couldn't do them mm-hmm. because if I stood on my, like the Ronda was really famous for in judo, left do chamada. You stand on your left left leg and you pivot and you throw the person with your know, sweep with your right leg and I couldn't do that. I would have just clapped. Uh-huh. And so I I I felt like this my whole life. You can focus on what you can't do or you can focus on what you can do. And what yeah. I could do with mat work and people weren't really paying that much attention to it at the time because it wasn't cool. So I worked and worked and worked on Arm bars, transition to arm bars. I noticed that a lot of people did as they fought standing up or they went to mat work, like kind of like the jiu-jitsu people do. And uh-huh. nobody really focused on that transition, that split second from when you're going to the ground to the mat. You could kind of flip around and catch somebody in the air. So so that's what I focused on, and it worked out for me. Yeah, yeah that it did because you were you became the champ. You're the first one ever. And like I said, it was great watching your story on Netflix. Um, and just, I mean, it seemed like there for a while you had the weight on your uh, were on your shoulders raising your kids solo, but you you were so good and they credit you to so much stuff. What made you decide to bury your soul, you and your family, on that particular, uh, you know, that that documentary that we just watched, which was f- uh, phenomenal, by the way. Well, the person who was doing it was a friend of Gene LaBelle's, and Gene LaBelle's been a good friend of ours for a long time. Uh-huh. And he said, you know, these are some good guys. Talk to him. And then the other thing that's funny is they made that documentary a very long time ago. Oh, really? So, yes. So if you notice, it, when it ends, Rhonda was still winning everything. So they made it a really long time ago. They just happened to walk into the gym the day she started MMA. Wow, and they were pretty... there to film Jean. Uh-huh. And Jean said, film this girl Rhonda. She's going to be really good. And they were like, well, yeah, sure, you know, we're here anyway. <laughs> and then when she had her last amateur fight in Las Vegas, they were there for something else, I think, to get B-roll, you know, kind of like the background that they have in movies. Yeah. And Gene was there, and he said, you should film Rhonda. She's going to be something else. And so they did. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it kind of came out just coincidentally. They were around. They knew Gene. He said, talk to these people. So it wasn't anything that we were that involved in at all. I mean, uh-huh. I, you know, when Rhonda was getting started, I tried to do anything to help her out like a normal parent does, right? So anytime anybody said, oh, 
talk to, you know, do this, talk to this person, talk to this person, do this interview for this TV show or this radio show or whatever. I did it because I figure it's helping my kid. Now yeah. I don't so much because I figure she doesn't need my help. <laughs> <laughs> but this was all when she was first getting started out. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah she definitely don't need help getting recognized now. I, I often wonder what it'd be like for her to go into like the store, like when the world opens back up, if she could go through an aisle without somebody wanting a picture or something. Um, sometimes she does. Yeah. Not that often, you know. Like we'll be out shopping and yeah, we don't get through the store without somebody recognizing her. <laughs> do you like that kind of attention? How do you feel about it? Um, I don't really feel one way or the other but I think I must be the only person in in Los Angeles that never wanted to go into the movie business never had any interest in the entertainment industry so um, yeah like Rhonda you know that's what she does my youngest daughter Julia is graduating from high college high school because she's graduating from college next week and wow she wants to write for tv shows but yeah it's that's never been a particular interest of mine so if people recognize me I say hello and if they don't I Go about my business. I understand. And your other daughter, I mean, she's she's heavily, she's still into ESPN and doing all that. Uh, uh, is she was? No, now she's the CEO of Seven Generation Games of our company. Yes, and that was what I was going to talk about with you really soon. That's exciting. I saw that in Strong Mind Studios, and this looks like a wonderful thing if, if you're ready to talk about that now since we just segued right into it. Sure, I'd be happy to talk about it. Yeah. What, what would you uh, like to know? Well, I looked on the websites, and it looks pretty enticing, and it looks like it helps a lot of people. I just wanted to know how it got started and, 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 and why you had such a passion for education and things like that. Well, I I think because when I was competing, uh, you know, I won a lot in judo, but it's not what made it possible for me to move to Santa Monica, send my kids to private schools. It was because I was good at math. And because I was good at math, I got a college scholarship. I was able to go into graduate school. I was able to get a job as an engineer and pull my family out of poverty. And when my husband passed away, I mean, it was very tragic. And I had three little kids. But if I didn't have really good health insurance that paid $100,000 in medical bills, if I didn't have a really good job that you know allowed me to pay for the bills when Ron was sick and after he passed away, it would have been far more difficult. Mm-hmm. And all of that came back to I was good at math. And when I started teaching, I saw so many kids when they were in middle school, they would say, oh, they would be an architect. They want to be an astronaut. They want to be a doctor. And those same kids, their senior year of high school, first year of college, well, you know, I think I'll be a truck driver. I'm going to major in communications. And, you know, if you want to be a truck driver, you want to major in communications, you know, good on you. But you shouldn't be doing that because you feel like you really can't do what you want to do. Uh-huh. And the barrier for so many kids was math, that they at some point fell behind. They didn't get something. And because math builds, right, like if you don't understand division, you're not going to understand fractions. If you don't understand fractions, you're not going to understand decimals. If you don't understand decimals, you're not going to understand percentage. And so at some point, they missed a block, and now they're convinced, oh, I don't have that math brain, and I can't do it. And I just think nothing is sadder in this world than unrealized potential. So anything that and, – and, you know, I was fortunate. I had good math teachers. I had my brother, who is terrific and really good in math, to help me out. I had friends in college. 
but not everybody has that. Yeah. And uh, and a lot of people, too, it sounds like with you, you know, with a natural gift for it, uh, which is a blessing because one thing, like for me, I struggle in math is because numbers are endless, you know, and it's you never will stop learning. And when you think you might have mastered one thing, 25 other things you have to learn right right behind it. So that's really great you taking the time to do that. Well, it's it's what I can do. You know, I, I always quote this line. It was from a book. It wasn't was the greatest book, but it had a really good line in it. And it said, your place that you're meant to occupy in the universe is where your greatest talent meets the world's greatest pain. Uh, and I'm good at judo, but the funny thing is, you know, so many people that I knew that were good at judo, they went on and they opened a judo club and they sell mats or they sell judo geese and, you know, they're the national team coach. And, and again, good on them if that's what they want to do. But I just felt like that was a part of my life, kind of like high school. And no matter how much you like high school, at some point you graduate and you go on. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, uh, Oh, um, what, was it, what were you saying? Mom has something to say. Who are you pointing at? Who are you talking about that? Oh, yeah, I wanted to go into um, Mother and I here in, in Middle Tennessee. Uh, my great-grandmother was a Cherokee Indian, and I see you're heavily involved in a lot of Native American stuff, and I wanted to know, how, how did you get a passion for that? Like, it seems like you're, you're heavily involved in that in your area. Um, and, and, you know, we try to preserve it, but it seems like, you know, you're doing a lot on your end as well. And I just wanted to know how all that came to be. Well, I was in North Dakota for several years teaching, and the university had a, a program where they were doing outreach to the reservations and working with the tribal colleges, and I was happy to do it. And one of the reasons they picked me at the university is they said, well, you're not prejudiced. You have no experience with any of these tribes in North Dakota, which I did not. <laughs> but I said, well, I, I know how to write grants. And I, so I talked to folks and said, well, what could you use? And I can help, you know, I can write a grant for that. And so the first one we did was to provide services for early child care. And then I got to know some people. And so I was working with the university. And then I um, met the person who was vice president of one of the tribal colleges, later became president. We were really good friends. And so he would say, you know, we could really use a program to provide tutoring to college students, for example. And what I saw, and it kind of really irritated me, is often the people who get the federal funding are not the people who would do the best program, the people who need it the most. It's the people who are the best at writing grants. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that and got to know people, and it just kind of developed from there. And I, I saw a lot of kids, just like all the kids I grew up with, that had so much potential, but they needed to have the background, the support for when they got into college to be college ready. And a lot of the teachers are doing, some of the teachers need to find a different profession. But a lot (laughs) of the teachers are really doing a great job and they're working as hard as they can, but there's only one of them. And if you've got kids that are at, you know, five different grade levels from the third through the eighth grade in an eighth grade classroom, there's only so much a teacher can do. So I thought, well, we have computers. Computers can differentiate for that kid that's at the fourth grade level, provide them fourth grade level instruction um, for the kid at the fifth grade level, do it at their level. And so I worked with some people I knew who were, you know, Dean Dufanay, the superintendent at Warwick, um, Eric Longy, who was on the school board at, at um, Tati Topa for a while. And yeah, we put these programs together and they, 
worked to raise kids' math scores, and then we just did more of it. And then we started, after we'd done the first couple, we did a Kickstarter, and we thought we would do these developed for the reservations. Um, they can run offline, so if you don't have internet at home, you can still use them, and that that would be great. And so we we did a Kickstarter to raise some money, and we started to get emails from people. Are these only for Native American kids? Because my child needs to learn fractions, or my kid needs to do better at math. And, and Maria said, hey, you got two bucks? Because you can buy Make Camp Premium in the app store for that. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, you know, I like Super Mario Brothers. I was never an Italian plumber with a mustache. So yeah. <laughs> we started with stories based on um, Native American history in the U.S., but really, any good game, whether it's Assassin's Creed or Paper Mario, needs a story. Yeah. And history is a good story. Absolutely. Um, we, we have a lot of history here. Luckily, uh, Dan K. Polk's childhood, he, he stayed in the area of Tennessee I'm in. And uh, it's always fascinating. Every time I go over there, I learn something new about him. But, yeah, it never hurts to continue to learn. And I think that's great that you have a passion for helping people do that. I wish I had somebody like you when I was – going through the ranks. My daughter's as well. She struggled with math. She struggled with math, too. Well, great, Shan. Yeah, um, okay, and, and I thank you for your time. I got one more question for you, and this is what's on my mind. Everybody else is, what is Rhonda and the rest of your kids, what are they getting you for Mother's Day? <laughs> I don't know. To be honest, half the time they forget, and I then they'll remember at the last minute, and so they'll okay. get online, order whatever they could send it, be said at the last minute. But that's okay, because it's the thought that counts. <laughs> that's right. It's better late than never. Well, hey, it's been a, a pleasure. You're you're very sweet, and thank you for everything you've done, and you've raised some fine children, and uh, they're, they're good role models, and we appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast. And when we release it, I will I will email you a link to it if you want to share it or listen to it. Sure. Well, and right. you and your mom have – what are you getting your mom from Mother's Day? You. Yeah, she, she, she wanted to talk. Let's talk to you. And she wants uh What is that mirror you want? She wants a some kind of. Oh, just one where I can say I'm getting old in my eyes. I need the big one, you know, the <laughs> the magnified looking. The magnifying glass. <laughs> yeah. Mirror, you know, where you can see your face. <laughs> see how many more wrinkles I've added on. <laughs> Which is quite a few, yeah. I'm sure. Well, I blame all those on my children. <laughs> well, I can definitely blame mine on Josh. Um, I'm an angel. Um. Happy Mother's Day, and we're celebrating mothers here on the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast. This next lady needs no introduction. She was a blast to speak with. Dr. Angie McCartney, the mum of Sir Paul McCartney of Beatles fame, wings, and solo efforts. Uh, like I needed to let you know who Sir Paul McCartney is. But nonetheless, she's got a brand new book out that you can find on Amazon for starters called Your Mother Should Know, talking about being from Liverpool to Los Angeles. Had some great time talking with her about that. She's got her own brand of wines. You can check her website out. She's got all kinds of things going on, Miss McCartney's Wines. And she's got her own program on YouTube. We talk about all that and more and even some Beatles information. That's up next on the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast. Podcast. Here we go. How flipping awesome. Dr. Angie McCartney, what a thrill it is to talk to you. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm splendid, thank you. How are you, Jason? That's Josh? great. That's Josh. Yeah, just, you can call <laughs> me Jason. Jason. I've just been Jason. speaking to someone called Jason. Forgive me. <laughs> That's fine. Out you with sound... Jason, in with Josh. Yes. Well, you sound delightful and so sweet. I just, uh, just 
thrilled to talk to you. Um, you know, the Beatles meant so much to me as well as everybody else. And, yes. Uh, a young lady told me I could talk to you, and I jumped at the chance to learn about uh, your new book and, and everything. Oh. I guess we should start with it. Let's talk about that new book. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's called Your Mother Should Know, and it was published just before Christmas. All and right. And it covered the five years since I wrote my first book, which was called My Long and Winding Road. And that was published when I was 83 years old, I think. And then a bit later, people said, well, why don't you write another book to fill in the gaps between now and the last book? Mm -hmm. And so much has happened, you know, in the way of artificial intelligence and the way the world has changed. I thought, why not? So, uh, yeah, there it is. It's called uh, Your Mother Should Know. Yes. And uh, we've got a lot of things called... Q, uh, QR codes, quick response codes at the end of the chapters. Uh-huh. You can download the app for free, and then you just take your cell phone and click on those, and they open up new chapters of uh, either videos or press releases or all sorts of other information about what I've just been writing about. Mm-hmm. So it sort of gives the writer, the reader more bang for the buck, you know. I like it. Yeah, I saw that. That was what I was going to ask you about that QR because I've never heard of that where where you could like you know be reading something and checking it out and then have well, a little. Well, no, it's never been done before. Actually, you know, my daughter thought of it. She's a real clever ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, am I allowed yeah. to say ass? On you the can interview? say you can say whatever you want. Oh, you're, jolly you're, good. Yeah, you're part of royalty. You do whatever. You're <laughs> you're you're like the queen to me, or even better. Oh really? <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! <laughs> Speaking oh, of. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just saying. Yeah, speaking of speaking of Queen, like this uh, Miss Angie McCartney's wines, it has a the logo has like a royal kind of look to it. I really like that design. Did you think of that all yourself? Oh no, my uh, son-in-law Martin Nethercutt does all the design and production and you know all the uh, graphics and everything for all my. I mean, I'm 90 years old for God's sake. I don't know about all that stuff. Leave it to the experts. I just say, where do I sign? <laughs> I hear you. Well, you sound really, really good and, and, oh. and everything for 90. I hope I am uh, that clar- clarified when I'm 90 years I old. I hope you are, too. <laughs> Thank you. That's a bit of a, a long way off there, isn't it, Josh? Uh, well, see, I'll be 38, so. I'll oh, my God, just a baby. Yeah. Uh, speaking of babies, I'm going to tell you something that I'd love to share with you. Um, I've been a drummer most of my life since I was about 12. And guess what the first song I ever played live was in my middle school talent show? What was that? I played drums to with my little band. We did Twist and Shout because they wanted a 60s theme, and oh, the crowd went wild. Great. I got oh, to pretend I was Ringo Starr for a little bit. <laughs> did you know that Ringo is left-handed? And wherever they went and the drum kit was set up, it was already set up for a right-handed drummer. Really? So he, yeah. He had to learn pretty damn fast. You know, to be able, yeah. Not many people know he's left-handed. I but, and right now, it probably doesn't matter anymore because he's <laughs> so successful and they love him anyway. But yeah, yeah it was a that. real job for him in the early days. Yeah, he uh, he's came a few times down here in Nashville. He comes here for his birthday, and I've always I never managed to catch him. You know, of course, there's probably hundreds of thousands of people surrounding him, but still, yeah. be neat to get a glimpse of him one day. Oh, he's a fun guy. He's got a great sense of humor. Oh, I'm sure and he does. He, he says funny things when he doesn't. Uh, it doesn't even know he's being funny. 
he's oh, got really? that sort of Liverpool throwaway humour. And <laughs> he'll, he'll say something and people will just watch for a second or two and then roar with laughter. That is and he looks like, what? what are you laughing at? Did I say something? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, of course, um, your uh, stepson, which is probably one of the most famous human beings on earth, do you you uh, still keep up with him? or oh, don't see him that often because he's all around the world, and we live in California now. And mm-hmm. he, yeah, he's got homes in uh, oh New York, uh, Liverpool. He's still got the house he bought, but he bought for his dad originally, mm-hmm. and then he bought it back when his dad's health was getting bad, and we needed a bungalow, so he bought a bungalow for his dad, and he still owns that house in Haswell. Uh, which well, is on Merseyside, and he goes there, stays there when he's in Liverpool. Well, that is too neat. I, I didn't know that. I, I figured by now that'd be a monument where people would have to look at it every time they go down. Oh, there. no, 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 no. It's just a nice little four-bedroom or oh, five-bedroomed house. But <laughs> when we lived there, the fans used to come up the drive and steal handfuls of the gravel because Paul's <laughs> car had driven over it. Sure, I'd be one of them. I'd have to have a pocket full of it myself. <laughs> well, I could probably send you a couple of pieces. Hey, I will not turn that down. I take some of your gravel too. I got, I got some gravel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, that was another thing that was on my mind. How did you meet his dad? How did you come to be a parent to a beetle? How, how well, I was, I was a widow with a four-year-old daughter. My first husband was killed in a car crash. Oh, I'm sorry. And uh, yeah, it was tough times. And um, I met up with, well, actually, my sister Joan, who's no longer with us, was in a uh, sweet and tobacconist shop in Liverpool one day. And a man came running in and said, uh, I'm in a hurry. I'm late for a funeral. Can anybody tell me where Broad, Green's, Broad Lane Cemetery is? So my sister spoke up and gave him directions. And he squeezed his eyes and said, you're not Angela, are you? And she said, no, but I've got a sister called Angela. He said, my God, you sound just like her. Um, I'm Mike Robbins, and uh, my wife, Beth, was uh, good friends with her, and we lost touch over the last few years. So, look, I'm running late for a funeral, but let me give you our phone number and get Angela to call us. So I did, and, you know, they and I hooked up, got together again, and it turned out that she was the cousin of Paul McCartney, her uncle Jim, was uh, Paul's dad. And when we eventually got to talk, she said, well, don't you remember Uncle Jim and Auntie Mary and their two little boys? And I said, yeah, vaguely from years ago. Because I could remember when I used to see her and go to her house, her aunt and uncle used to come visit sometimes on a Saturday afternoon with these two little boys in their school uniforms. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> short trousers and little uh, caps and, you know, uh, hairy-looking jumpers. <laughs> and I, she said, well, you know who Paul is, don't you? And I said, no. She said, he's Paul McCartney and the Beatles. I said, oh, my <laughs> God. You wow. know, we'd been out of touch for so long, it just never occurred to me. <laughs> so, you know, I was a widow by this time, and Jim was a widower, and Paul had bought him this lovely house, and he was living there all alone. Couldn't really go out much because the fans were always there and they'd mob him and follow him even if he went for a little walk to the village and back. And Uh uh, she sort of finagled it for us to get to meet. And when we did, we just knew that would work. Yeah. And it did, yeah. Love at first sight. 
No, not really. It was just a, a warmth <laughs> and a friendship and a, a feeling of need. We both needed something, someone, someone to turn to, you know. Yeah. And, of course, Jim was 28 years older than me, so it was a mammoth thing for him to oh, wow. think about asking me to marry him with a four-year-old kid. But yeah. that he did, and we made it work, and he adopted Ruth and gave her his name, the McCartney family name, which he's very proud of. Sure. And he yeah. was a wonderful dad, yeah. That's all. And I know, and I know I've seen pictures of Paul and, uh, you know, uh, his brother. They were so fond of Ruth when she was little. They just, the way they held her, it looked like they just adored her. Oh, yeah, they did. They made such, she was like a new toy, you know. <laughs> this new little thing that you didn't have to wash or bathe. You just gave it back to mother when it was problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. I, I could see, but I just, uh, when I was looking through pictures earlier and kind of like reminiscing and, and checking out your bio and everything, yeah. um, I, I saw a picture of him. He was holding her hand so sweetly, you know, in a crowd of people. And I thought, well, they, it just looked like he just thought so much of her. And I, I just, I just love that when the. Uh, yeah, it was great, yes. And of course, she was totally bewildered. The first time she met Paul, um, Jim had asked me to go over and for, stay overnight and bring the baby, which was Ruth. She was four. So I put her to bed, and Jim and I talked about the future and so on. And Jim said to me, um, you know, you and I both need to make a change in our lives. I'm living in comparative luxury in this lovely home that Paul's bought for me, and you are slugging your guts out for five pounds a week. Mm. And, uh, you know, let me, why don't we talk about doing something? He said, do you want to, to get married, or do you want to be my housekeeper? Or do you want to live with me? And I said, well, with a four-year-old child, I'd only really think about marriage. Because I was very old-fashioned in those days. This is 1964. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, okay, then that's what we'll do. So uh, shortly after, the telephone rang, and it was Paul calling from London. And I heard Jim say, hello, son. Yes, she is. Yes, we are. <laughs> and said, oh God! <laughs> Paul must have said, "Is she there? Have you asked her?" So he shouted to me, "Come and talk to Paul on the phone." Of course, I nearly collapsed walking to the telephone. <laughs> and uh, we chatted for a few minutes, and he said, "I'm going to. I'm in London. I'm going to jump in the car and drive up now, so we can. Will you stay up?" I said, "Oh, absolutely," because it used to take oh maybe three or four hours in those days to drive from London to Liverpool. I mean, the, the freeways, the motorways weren't even hooked up. Wow. Uh, oh, yeah. So anyway, eventually he came home, and Jim heard him driving up the drive over the gravel that was left and opened the garage door. We didn't have electronic clickers in those days, you know. And Paul <laughs> drove in, came in through the kitchen, and I was washing up cups and saucers from many, many pots of tea. And... uh Paul came in, in the kitchen and said, hello, I'm Paul. I said, uh, yeah, I think I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so we went through and sat down in the lounge, and he said, so where's the baby? Get her up. So I went upstairs and got little Ruth and carried her down. She was fast asleep, rubbing her eyes, you know, and wondering what the heck was going on. And I sat her down on Paul's knee, and she opened her eyes and looked up at him, and she said, I know you. You're on my cousin's wallpaper. <laughs> oh, God. Collapse, collapse. Oh, embarrassment. Can you imagine? 
Oh, but I'm he sorry, roared with laughter. We all did, and that sort of broke the ice, and it was all fine. <laughs> that is precious. Yeah, because, is... you know, my niece, my sister's kid had a, a little Wendy house in the garden, a little playhouse, and her father had wallpapered it with beetle wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> so, Absolutely. Talk the, about, uh, you know, open mouth, insert foot. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's out of, out of the, the mouths of children. It's it's the best honesty, but uh, oh, I know, yeah, yeah um, it's so embarrassing sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm sure he was accustomed to it, and you know, he probably brushed it off. There, there's oh, lots yeah. of people out in this world that just, I mean, still to this day, the, the songs that he's written and, and performed as the years go by, you know, I know not only my generation but my daughter and so on and so forth appreciating yeah. the Beatles. They just they'll always be around. I yeah. Think. Oh, it goes on, doesn't it? Generation after generation. Yeah, nothing yeah. better. Uh, there, there's yeah. nothing that's meant more to me. And they and the Beatles have influenced every other band I listen to. They just uh, they, they'll never not be someone interested in them or just loving them very much. And yeah, that's I, right. I, yeah. I all these stories and I saw where you're you're known as terminally terminally cheerful. And that's so true. You're such a delightful <laughs> person to talk yeah. to. Yeah, you know How I do don't you... always feel it, but I always put, I, I'm splendid. I say. Because I think if you say it often enough, you believe it yourself in the end. Yeah, I hear that's what I'm gonna to have to start doing. I'm gonna to have to start telling myself I need to yeah. be splendid. What? Oh yeah. Another thing, I, I've dabbled in stand-up comedy, and I saw that you did improv comedy. Did you do stand-up and everything? I have to know about that. Uh, I did improv with the uh, the Lemmings, National Lampoon's Lemmings, wow. for six no weeks. Problem. I mean, we were friends with Alan uh, Alan Donis, who was the president of Lampoon at the time. Mm-hmm. And we'd come across each other in various, through clients and business things. And he wrote to me one day and said, how would you like to come along to the Lemmings and uh, 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 give them your observations? So I <laughs> said, yeah, that sounds fine. So uh, we arranged it that I would go. I'd get a taxi every Wednesday night and go to Hollywood. And, yeah. uh, and I thought I was just going to sit in the audience and sort of, you know, make suggestions or be a sort of Maggie Smith saying, that was rather nice, or that's rather splendid. <laughs> yeah. But as soon as the uh, session opened, the tutor, Alison, said, uh, right, I want two of you on stage, you, Angie, and you, Xavier. And I said, oh, no, I'm only here to observe. She said, hell no, you're not. You're <laughs> here to, l-. oh, I was uh, collapsing with fear. So this lovely young man, Xavier Bergen, took my hand and we went upstage and she said, okay, um, you are the buyer, you are the seller. Um, you're going to sell him some kind of a sex object. Oh, Lovely. So <laughs> I quickly thought of something I'd just seen in the LA Reader, which is a big weekly magazine here. And I said, okay, I'm going to sell you uh, vouchers for anal bleaching for $4 each. Oh, my goodness. And we just had to improvise from there. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Oh, boy. And now Xavier is a very successful filmmaker, and he's made, made lots. He's won several awards of uh, African-American-themed documentaries and short films and so on. And we still keep in touch. Came over here a little while ago to uh, – I have a little T-Flix show on uh, – Facebook on Tuesdays. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. It's, I yeah. really like that. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Xavier came over and appeared on the show for me a little while back. But, uh, yeah, we haven't recently been able to have guests on. 
because Facebook changed the method where you can't remotely bring in guests. So what we've just come up with today, we've joined Zoom, and we're going to try from next week to bring a guest onto the T-Flix half hour from right. another, through the Zoom setup. So I'm still learning all about that, of course. You can imagine at my age, it's what? Yeah, I understand. <laughs> Poor daughter has talked me through it about three times, you know. <laughs> I've uh, a lot of fellow podcast friends of mine have mentioned Zoom how they do it, but I've one of my fears even at my age is that like if I were to have somebody I wanted to talk to you like you or somebody that I wouldn't be able to connect them, and I, and I, I just that's my biggest fear. So I, that's why I haven't taken the leap yet. <laughs> I know, no, Ruth, my daughter is very tech savvy, and so is her husband Martin. So they do all that stuff. Just sit me on the couch and say go. <laughs> you are live, you know. Oh, yes. hello, folks. It's eleven thirty on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Got a director and a producer waiting right there for you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, and I'm uh, still a, still in my jammy bottoms, you know, a nice yeah. blouse, but my pajama bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this, okay? Because I'm a Southern American, and we drink cold sweet tea. And I know uh, with the British, it's it's the hot tea. Yeah. Do you, how do you feel about uh, cold tea? What do you think? About oh, it? I, I don't mind it. My son-in-law Martin, who originates from Germany, oh, wow. uh, he likes cold tea, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean any of the teas. I've got eleven flavors of tea. Yeah. You can you can brew them and then let them go cold, which he likes. We've got mm-hmm. peppermint and strawberry and Maharishi peach and all kinds of things. Mop top maple. <laughs> <laughs> Mop top, I like it. Yeah. Mop top maple. Well, we gave them all sorts of beetly names because that would catch people's eye. Yeah, how could it not? Yeah, I like that. And and wine too. You got some wines. You're a busy yes. person. You do a lot of stuff. I do. Yes. Yeah. And how do you keep uh, up with got, all of it? Haven't got time to be ninety. <laughs> <laughs> That's what yeah. they tell myself until I look in the mirror and I think, oh God, there she is. <laughs> Well, it's you're looking great in these new pictures I saw. You're looking fantastic. I might have to come be your new house cleaner, or we might have. Oh, to Oh, that might cleaner. be nice. Yeah, we haven't got one of those. Of course, nobody's got anybody coming inside the front door these days. I know, unless you're completely in a full body costume from head to toe. That's right. Well, I tell you what, will be a popular costume this October, won't it? The yeah. hazmat suit. That's it. Yeah, you know, they'll be selling out of them for all the wrong reasons. It's just yeah. so people can wear them. Oh, no. Well, hopefully it'll be over. Yeah, but, uh, I agree. Yeah. I know. We, just, we have to deal with it like everything else. Yeah. My my theory is, Josh, if Hitler didn't get me, this flaming thing is not going to. That's it. Because you were over there, weren't you, during all that mess? Oh, yes. I was uh, nine when the war broke out, and I was uh, 15 when it ended. Oh which will be, I think, 75 years on the 8th of May in wow. a few days. Yeah. Yeah, just a few months. 55 years on whenever, the 7th of, the 8th of May. So you survived Hitler and the Nazis, Beatlemania, yeah. and now coronavirus. Yeah, to hell with coronavirus. <laughs> be gone. Be gone. <laughs> Oh, and today, of course, is Cinco de Mayo, isn't it? And I know how all our lovely Mexican friends and neighbors love to celebrate this day. Absolutely. Yeah. Are you going to celebrate with them? Oh, yes. Always have done. And we will do tonight. We'll have tacos and and Corona beer, which you believe to them. Yeah, I know those (laughs) poor devils with that company and that name. 
Yeah, they they've struggled, but uh, yeah. I think hopefully they'll be all right. But hopefully, yeah, yeah. Not their fault. They're not linked to it. They've, they've no, of course not. <laughs> and there are several towns with that name, one in yes. California. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What are you? Uh, what are your plans? Speaking of quarantine and all this stuff, what are your plans for Mother's Day? What are you going to do? Oh, we'll, we'll be here in the house, of course. You yeah. know, I haven't been outside the house for over five weeks. Well, wow. I lie. I've been out twice around the block in the car with Ruth when she's uh-huh. gone to pick up food. But that's yeah. all. I've been outside the house in the last five, six weeks, I think it is. Exactly. But no, we will. I mean, Ruth is an avid cook. We call her Chef Ruth. Oh, right. And, uh, yeah, she's going to uh, do fish tacos for tonight. Yeah. And we'll have margaritas and... Uh, Corona beer and fall into bed <laughs> mid evening. <laughs> oh, by the way, I started last night to watch a new series on Netflix called Hollywood. I Ooh. mean, you may you may be too young to appreciate it, but oh boy, is it a humdinger! I can't wait to get to bed tonight to start watching <laughs> again. <laughs> I hear you know you know what I watch, and this must surprise me. Have you seen it? Did you watch Tiger King? Oh yes. What'd you think of that? I think it's amazing, and and those people live amongst us and vote. Yeah. They have driver's <laughs> licenses and they vote. Say no more. <laughs> like I said to you, this is a totally non-political show. But yeah. oh boy, when you think, yeah, it's astonishing, isn't it? Yeah, they, they, it was a train wreck. I I watched it just thinking what the fuss is about and spent a whole day glued yeah. to it. Yeah. It was I, Ruth and Martin and I all live in the same house. They live upstairs and I live down on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. And after we've both gone to bed, Ruth will sometimes buzz me on, on the internal phone and say, are you watching so-and-so? Are you watching Rachel? Are you watching this? You know. And the night they started watching that, she said, Mom, are you asleep? Well, you won't be. Go and watch this. <laughs> and I was nearly asleep then, so I didn't really get started on it. But a night or two afterwards, oh my goodness! Yeah. But isn't it astonishing what you can find with the click of a button and entertain yourself? Yeah, because it's just what fascinated me the most is how people like that, like you said, that that breed and drive and vote, they get yeah. access to those so many tigers. Yeah. Yeah. Astonishing. It's, it's, yes, it's, it's wild. Funny old world, Josh, but still, it's a good one. Yeah, it's good entertainment. They knew what they were doing. Well, hey, listen, um, one more question. Like I said, I appreciate you. Now, I have I have heard the rumor, and like I said, I was talking about singing Blackbird, and the reason I brought that up, that was written about your mom. Is that right? It was indeed, yes. There have been lots of other stories to the contrary, but when my mom was uh, pretty elderly, she was in her 80s, and she'd been ill, and Paul said to me, why don't you... Uh, get her over to your house so you can look after her and give your sister a break who's been nursing her in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So he set it all up and paid for everything, an ambulance and all that, to pick her up and bring her to our house to stay with us at Rembrandt. And uh, she was ensconced in the little back bedroom and quite comfy and everything. And Paul came home once in the middle of the night, which he used to sometimes after they'd finished a recording session. And it just feel like, first of all, a drive and then someone to talk to. And he mm-hmm. got home in the wee small hours, and Jim and Ruth and I were all fast asleep, snoring our heads off. And he wanted to talk to somebody, and he tapped on my mother's bedroom door, on the back bedroom door, and he said, Edie, are you awake? 
And she said, well, I am now. (laughs) (laughs) So he went in and sat on the end of the bed, and they chatted. And he said, how do you sleep? And she said, oh, not bad. But uh, sometimes that flaming blackbird keeps me awake singing. He said, what blackbird? So she said, oh, open the window and just sit here. It'll, it, it'll start soon. Or just after midnight, every night it starts. It used to sit on the top of the greenhouse and, uh, you know, the hothouse where Jim had vines growing to make grapes and so on. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it started. And Paul ran downstairs and got his brother Mike's Grundig tape recorder, put it on the end of the bed and recorded the bird. And, uh, you know, that was it. He sort of took it away, and we didn't hear anything for a long time. And much later, he recorded a song. And I've actually got a cassette tape in the safe of him saying, this next one's for Edie. Uh It's called Blackbird. How beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So whenever I hear it, I always think, oh, that's for my mum. Yeah, and and what's the beauty of it is it's a song that's celebrated all over the world. Yes, that's right. It's a lovely song. Yeah. Yeah, what a fitting tribute because, like I said, I'm having you on my podcast this week in celebration of amazing mothers, and you are an amazing lady and mother. Oh. Thank you, and I feel like I've made a friend for life, and I hope to see you here in Nashville. All right, my darling. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'd like you to meet my mom. She's sweet, too. I think you and her good. Well, let's set it up. We will. Next up on the Happy Mother's Day edition of the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast, a really hilarious lady all the way from New Jersey. Her name is Michelle Tran. I had the privilege of seeing her in Nashville, Tennessee, back when you could go to public places and watch comedy shows. Uh, She's an actor, a comic, stand-up comedian, writer, dancer, educator, and her favorite role is Mother. She's also the owner and the artistic director of Prop Box Players and the proprietor of Divorce Diaries. And she's very good at motivating and speaking to people. She just has a knack for entertainment and being in front of a crowd. So be sure to check her out on all social media. She's on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook. She is very busy, very active, very funny, uh, doing comedy now, I believe, every Saturday uh, on Zoom. And if you uh, log in and check her out on her socials, you can be able to check those shows out. Uh, Happy Mother's Day to her. She's got one daughter. She's a single parent. Total rock star. Uh, I look forward to every time she uh, graces us with her presence here on the podcast and spoke to her a little bit about what's going on in her life. That's next. Enjoy. Okay, Michelle, let's talk more about um, what you said you got going on, like a million things at once. What, What were you doing today when I called? So I have, not only do I have Divorce Diary Show, but I have my own theater company, Prop Box Players, which yeah. specializes in sensory theater. Uh, I, I kind of like to say it's an, it just specializes in inclusion theater, where it's for kids with or without special needs, kind of like if a child is in an inclusion classroom, the, the, there are kids with or without special needs in the classroom so that people can uh, open their, you know, theater is open to uh a different experience as opposed to sitting still and listening without talking. It's a, more of an experience. So I'm doing a story tomorrow for a library client I have in Jersey. It's called Little Quack. I'm doing this rendition of it. It's based off of a book, and it has all fun, like, characters in it. I'm doing bubbles, like homemade bubbles, and I'm creating a, a, a television studio in my house. I mean, I already have, so it's kind of cool. Like, I love this. 
but I also like it's crazy. Like my house, my living room is multiple multi-purpose now. <laughs> that's awesome, and that's great yeah. too because um, the reward you'll get for building these kids' esteem is going to be so amazing. I mean, it's got to mean so much to them, and you as well uh, helping. Yeah. Them I mean, I, I've this is my other degree. Like, I got a master's in educational theater, which is an actual degree at the NYU produced. <laughs> uh, and that, off. like, it was a more kind of about how theater and acting and performance really helps people learn and grow. And that's also the mantra behind, you know, how I kind of use divorce diaries in this facilitative tool in addition to being entertaining. So um, they work kind of hand in hand, which is one for families and one's for adults. Yep. So um, I'm putting away my props now as we chat. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, you know, one thing I admired about you, and I wanted to have you on the Mother's Day special for this Aww. Sunday. You're such a good mom, and, and you know, being a single dad, I've always really liked that about you, the way you include your Thank daughter. You. you can just tell she adores you, and, you know, I always like those little adventures, and the bike, the bike was a big thing, and just mm-hmm. good for you. I mean, you know, taking care of business and then uh, – I don't oh, I'm you trying. Find, yeah, all the energy for what you do because you're constantly content, TikTok, everything. Every time I turn around, you're doing something. What What's the oh. secret? Listen, I appreciate you saying that because their their only secret I have is to instead of like instead of whining about it, just do it. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, because we're in this you know pandemic craze, and like all I can keep thinking is. Have you you need a second to cry, baby, about what's going on? Then do it, and then get up and do twelve posts in an hour. Just because um, I feel like this is the push you kind of need. You got now. It's like do or die. I mean, like this is my living. This is how I make money, and like I got to do it. That I think the secret is like I love what I do, and I am refusing to put it down and not still use it as my craft to help people to earn a living to feel fulfilled in life in addition to being a mom. And I, and I feel like I, either I'm very much probably like a lot of parents struggling at times right now to balance yeah. everything. Sure. Uh, she's, you know, and I appreciate like the, the funny thing is I did tell her, it was like every once at one hour a day, we're going to go out, we're going to ride a bike or run or something. Mm-hmm. So, so that we're doing, but she, she sees me on the computer a lot lately and yeah. I just told her it's it is what it is. It's gonna have to be that for right now because this is what the life our lives are. But I make sure there's that hour where I'm not. So yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you, you gotta do what you gotta do, but everybody's in a you know, in a predicament and everybody's yeah. homebound. It's just the world since last time I okay. saw you. Yeah, we're flipped upside down. Uh, I'm the only person I know within my circle of people that I have been exposed to it every day. I have not yet taken a break. <laughs> been out in it, but I mean you know, oh man! Day, so. Yeah. Wait. So you're like, are you, are, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, like, I don't. I, I feel like I'm working more sometimes now from home. Yeah. And in in less revenue. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And you know, you're not the only person that's you know uh, in entertainment to tell me that I was speaking to um, Rascal Flatts drummer a few yeah. episodes ago, and they're they were getting ready to embark on their what they call their farewell tour. You know, bands don't actually ever farewell but yeah he was like you know we put that on hot he said he same thing he's more busy at home you know teaching students to, to you know to pass the time and, and still bringing revenue but it's less but working more i was like man you're less like, yeah, yeah yeah exactly absolutely 110 yeah. percent. and it's crazy and it's like you know i'm a big gary vaynerchuk fan and like a uh, vaynerchuk i'm say vaynerchuk vaynerchuk fan and like i was just listening to him on the way home from dropping my daughter off her dad's uh-huh. And then in my let, and they are talking about about just the 
just listening to those kinds of motivational videos and, and clips help you stay on fucking track. I'm sorry if I'm not allowed to curse. Help you stay on track <laughs> yeah. um, with pushing. And if you're getting that feeling of like, oh, I just want to take a break, then it's like, well, you know, that hustle meant that, oh, especially that old school hustle mentality of like, yeah. no, just fucking just do it, mm-hmm. you know. So. Yep. And you've definitely got that. Like I said, I, it's one thing I admire about you. you. You've got talent everywhere, and you never see oh, you're doing 900. You. It's just impressive. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't. There's some kind of magic brewing there. I think it's also the fact that, like, I really do love what, I, the, like, I love my craft a lot. Like, it means uh-huh. that much to me that it's it's a lifetime of. For me, it's it's another child. It's it's a it's like, I told my daughter the other day, I was like, you come first, and then my career. She goes, wow, really? I said, yeah, absolutely. She was your always yeah. on a computer. I said, yeah, right now with what's going on in the world, I am always on a computer. And that's to make sure that we put food on the table and we have uh, money in our pockets and that things get handled. I said, but trust me, I'm making time for you. And, you know, kids like to manipulate a little bit. So I'm like, listen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just that I love to do this. I love performing. I love creating content and helping yeah. people and making people feel good. Yeah, well, you do great, and I was gonna, I was gonna ask you while it's on my mind in the middle of talking to you. I gotta get you. I'm gonna get some podcast hoodies of mine. I gotta get your size so I can send you one because I know you've yes. got the, the one. I know you're always sporting them, so I'll get that one. I was doing yeah, it. With I, I told you. I, yeah, I, small is perfect. That I said. I said to him, I was like, I want to divorce guy to show because I wear that hoodie all the time because I only have two hoodies. But when I go running or I'm outside, that's what I wear. Yeah. Um. And yeah, absolutely. You, you got it. I'll wear it. Yeah, I, I know. I was like, yeah, I gotta get her another one because I know you sporting that one. And uh, Cam, I haven't seen him in a while either. Like I said, everybody's quarantined. Uh, but uh, back back to the daughter, and she'll she'll appreciate you kicking butt. You know, they don't understand now, but that little leather jacket video was precious. It was like, <laughs> reminded me of like uh, like the Fonz. I she was really rocking. Yeah, that the Descendants, she's a big, she, well, she was, she kind of is still, but, like, the Descendants was a big thing for a while. Yeah, she yeah. She got that for Christmas, I think, from her grandma, uh-huh. and she, like, she loves that. That little video was adorable, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, she's, like, a rock star on her bike. I can't even understand, like, how, I mean, her father and I took her on her birthday. I celebrated her birthday. We have this, like, spine celebration party I mean for the three of us because it was really the only people she could see, and her friends did a drive-by she got to spend a little bit of time talking to her one cousin outside. So it was uh-huh. well needed because kids are struggling with oh, this. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, um, you know, I think things will start to lighten up a little bit. Even though I'm in, like, Jersey, which is, like, one of the hot spots, I think people are going to start to interact a little bit more with, like, smaller groups to provide that no one's sick. Yeah. Um, but I do like I just think it's but then I do think that this is gonna this is gonna be the new norm. I don't think that you know, I think a lot of things are gonna take a long time to go back to a nor- normalcy that she was like, Okay. Yeah, it's 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 tough for the kids. I mean, we, we do what we do to survive, but you know, like young young people's birthdays and their friends and everything, the the whole world's turned upside down, you know, it's a whole they just don't quite grasp it. But you know, you just do the best you can with what you're working with. Absolutely. I had a, um, go ahead. No, no, I felt bad because I felt like I drifted off of the topic of the leather jacket, but she did love the, the, she just, I feel like I have to post more of those on my personal pages because I know that people, your family responds to those. Yeah. And, and I noticed like, 
you know, I'm all about my work and my my jokes. And I was like, well, I do want to post about my child, but not so much. You know, like these moments that I'm having with her are precious because at one minute you're like, okay, I, I'm being interrupted 500 times just to read, just to, to, I have to fill out a grant form and now I'm being asked to help with reading this and I, I don't want to help. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Being honest, today I was like frustrated because I was like, I really, Grace, I, was like, I, I can't help you. You're going to have to do this one on your own. Not in trying to be like me, but I said to him, like, you're eight. You know, you can do some things on your own. You don't necessarily need me all the time. Yeah. And the thing is, like, she does, though. And and it's like, I feel bad. But at the same time, like, well, the world is tough. So I've got to teach you something about, I don't know, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a hard balance. And I, yeah. and, her, and her dad is doubling up a weekend because I have three virtual shows in one day. And I need rehearsal time, and I mm-hmm. need, I need, a, I don't want her to feel shaft, like shafted. So I said to him, I said, would you mind taking her this weekend too? And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah. So I was thankful because he's going to bring her up on Sunday morning. But I just like, I, I was knowing what my breaking point was hitting, and I can't have him. It's not like we can have someone come watch her. It's like either me or him, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly. And then. Uh... That's, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. That was another question of mine. Uh, I have a friend here who, who does stand-up, and he's doing the Zoom route. Is that what you're talking about, virtual? Are you doing like a Zoom yes. capacity? Or what, yeah. What, how do you feel about that experience? He likes Great. it. Um, I, I've seen him do it. One time I kind of introduced him when he went on on stage, I guess you could call it. And like yeah. I couldn't hear the, the last response, like maybe one or yeah. two people. That would throw me for a loop. I don't know. How do so, you handle that? Okay, so that's a, this is a great question because I think this is now going to be the new norm. Yeah. I think for a long for, – for, for comedians and for performers for a longer time than we had anticipated. Yeah. It's, um, I, I'm looking at it from a television perspective. I'm looking at it like, well, I'm being filmed and I'm auditioning. And whether I hear their laugh or not, I have to make it – I have to hit a punch. So yes, as opposed yes. to when you're in front of a live audience, you know, you can kind of play around with some things. I feel like I'm trying to become even more prepared for these private – for the Zoom for the Zoom shows than uh-huh. I were to be on stage because I want I, – I'm trying to go for tighter punches. Which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. And then, and then also more interaction segment of, of the show. So, for example – I am doing my show, Divorce, uh, doing Divorce Diaries virtually every Saturday night on Zoom. Uh-huh. Um, and it is weird because some people will mute them and then they'll unmute themselves and you can hear their background noise. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of kinks, but I think yeah, yeah, everyone, yeah. I think so. So for me, I'm okay with it. I'm completely fine with it. I'll roll with it. The, the hacking situation happened to me last week. So yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. You saw that post, right? It's very yeah. disturbing, um, but we are taking. I am taking precautions to make sure the security features, like the security features, even if they're enabled, these people can still get in. And I think what had happened last week was that I shared the link. Well, I know that's how they're 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 from what I'm reading is how they're hacking in. Is if you share the link, they can just get in. Like if you if you register the link, people have your email then. Um, I still think that people get back in, though. I mean, yeah. but I, you know, I'm, you know, you have to just kind of roll with it and hope for the best. Sure, because unfortunately, in this life we live, there's going to be jerks everywhere, and I, I loathe that, especially when there's art involved. Because, um, and the reason I brought oh, yeah. up the Zoom, yeah, the Zoom with you is because 
um, of, of all the comedy I study, you had one of the tightest performances I've ever seen as far as like the delivery and the punch. Really? Oh, yeah. And, and I really, because like I said, that was the first time it, it Zane is actually set up front. I'm usually kind of teetering towards the middle, but I really like, <laughs> soaked it all in. And I was like, but the delivery, and, and then the the animation you have, you can tell, you know, you did theater. Oh. Um, it's like, it's like um, almost like Saturday Night Live worthy. Um, so, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your butt. <laughs> no, <laughs> I appreciate it very much. But, okay. um, but um, being that animated and, and that engaging with an audience, like you do crowd work, that's why I was asking, like, was it whole different, like, versus yes. staring into a screen? Yeah. yeah, that's a great question. So what I've been doing for, like, if I, for the divorce stories is I, I dedicate a segment that audience participation, and I tell them that. Yeah. Uh, but I also don't kind of, when, it, when I first open up the doors, per se, I play music. So but for me, the playing music on my um, little speaker next to my computer allows them to feel like this is a show, we're getting prepped. And this week, what I'm going to start to do is share a video through the share screen part of Zoom so that it's a pre-show clip. So I, I think that helps with the establishing how this is a real event they're going to in their own home. Because it is a little awkward and uncomfortable, and you want it to feel less like a meeting and more like this is a private event that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been – I think it's been a lot of trial and error. Yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah. Okay, uh, of course, this, this is a question just out of curiosity because mm-hmm. I have – I've participated. I haven't participated in watching a stand-up versus on my computer. I've, I've, I've been where one was going on, but I, I have watched performances where, like, musicians and stuff. Like, how do you get uh, the – you know, like uh, – it isn't like if you're playing it, like, our local Zanies and you get paid. Like, is it like a donation? Yeah. How do you make sure you get paid? Okay, so that's – a- Right. That's a very great point to bring up because I think this is for every performer who makes their living from performance. It's been a hit. Um, so I've offered it to, and it's just a show that when every Saturday I either offer it to a law firm to be sponsored or a divorce brand to sponsor the event. Uh-huh. Um, and I charge a specific price or I'm, I'm being very oh. flexible. I'm, yeah. I'm just looking to build long-term consistent relationships for people who are going through divorce or breakups or, or um, need this kind of relief for mental health. And yeah. so if there's someone to sponsor show, great. If not, it's free and there's a suggested donation. They can, they don't have to pay it. They yeah. can just come to the show. So, 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 um, and for, and then for my kids show, I, I kind of just right now book through libraries and clients that want to purchase the show. I also offer it free. If someone doesn't have fun, they should just contact me. If you don't do, if you if you can't, if you want to come to a digital performance. Yeah. So yeah. from my research in and talking to other comics and other performers, it's been the three options of you you give a price for an organization that could sponsor it. You 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 ask you say this is the ticket price, and then you also offer a free ticket price as a suggested donation, and that's it. You kind of have to go with it because everybody okay. is hurting. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, even those who are still working at home are hurting, you know, mentally because it's it's taking a toll of all these different things. Mm-hmm. And so, and yeah, so that's how I've opened it up. I mean, I want to give back. Like at the very beginning of this, I was like, I want to give back. I want to give back with my craft. I want to give back with my craft. I don't know what to do because I, this is my business, and I, I don't want to lose more money than I'm already going to lose. So I decided to just be very honest and say, hey, it's free. 
but you know, this is just a donation. And in, in, inevitably, what I have always said is if you're an organization that needs wellness, that already has events that you produce, here's an event you could produce without the corn. You know, I think they're already going to put money in towards something anyway. This would be great for your clients. Yeah. And um, it's more so about building long-term relationships with these people so that they'll keep tuning into my content and that things will grow from there. So it's it's – not that it's less about the money it's more about building the rapport and the relationships and then that the other stuff will start to come right on okay yeah that because um the reason i asked is, is like with comedy if i watch it like i've been fortunate enough and blessed that i haven't skipped a beat in work and i still pay my bills yeah. and, and have you know i mean i don't have gobs of money but if i'm going to take the time to go into somebody's link and watch you play music or watch you play comedy I, I always try to make sure i have some set aside because it is their art that they are putting themselves out there yeah so that's why i wanted to ask you um and and that's cool you got sponsors or whatever but or or you know something because uh what what you're doing is is well worth the price of admission so i wanted to make sure you're getting taken care of (laughs) yeah and i think that also it's i think i think for the world of comedy outside of this right outside of the quarantine there is um same kind of thing. Even as an actor, you know, you audition for parts that are paid or not paid, and then you get to a point in your career, you're like, well, this is my job. I can't take a non-paying gig. And yeah. so when we had this, when we were faced with this, everyone didn't know what to do. And so for me, I just get went right to the head of like, well, I've been an educator for many years, and I offer services, so I'll keep offering them, and I'll also offer them for free for people who cannot pay and that's it and whatever i can't do i can't do mentally and physically because i have my own child and my own family and that's and and you you have to you have to do what feels right for yourself yeah. and also um you know i've met a lot of like just even sharing sharing somebody's if i can't offer someone's services um i've been sharing other people's business on my stories like i've i've gotten hit up by a lot of um people to be uh, what is it like an Instagram promoter thing for their brand or sell a product? And I've just been very honest with them. I said I'm only selling my comedy and my theater company. That's the only thing that I want to sell, and that I I have the time to sell, and that I feel passionate enough to sell for. And I said, and I've told them, I'm like, look, it's not that I don't think what you're doing is great. It's just that I need I need to handle my own thing first, and then. When I eventually years from now, if I'm big enough where I can look out and see what products I would like to promote, that's something different. I, said, yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't take on any additional projects just because I already feel like I have too many projects. Oh yeah, you're firing on all cylinders. That's for sure. Yeah, and it's yeah. kind of like I get, but I like the fact like I'm a hustler. I get people have to ask, you know. So I just like share their store, their whatever their businesses on my story because, or I, I tell them to come to the show and we do an audience segment where they get to promote their brand on the show mm-hmm. yeah that's and cool connect with other people that's it it's, it's constant yeah. um uh <laughs> actually, uh when when you left nashville i uh got a hold of Artie lang i know you know who that is yeah of course i know who Artie. Oh, i got some stories about my exes and Artie lang okay no, well, well anyway i sent him and the reason i and i'll explain to you why i haven't told you till now I sent him a clip of some of your work and everything, and told oh, him he needed to have you on his podcast. Okay. What? Yeah, he. Wait, had a say podcast. that again. I missed. I missed the, the other the oh. end part. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, That's okay. I, I sent him some of your stuff and told him that he should have you on his podcast. Oh, okay, awesome. 
and he he messaged me back. He was all for it, and then he just disappeared. Yeah, he's a he's a big um yes disappearer. Well, and my that's ex, what, yeah, I'm my sorry, boyfriend took him into custody when he was arrested for one of the times. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. That's well, right, the uh, police officer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, not now. Now there was it was a, a different police officer than I do at my show, but uh, um, uh, yeah. Well, hey, if you ever get back in touch with him, give him my email. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, that's that's what I was gonna do because I, I was telling him I was like, you know, she's from she's from Jersey, came down here to Nashville, very engaging. Oh, that's funny. And, then, and because his show actually was really really good, but he 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 even stopped doing episodes. Like I said, he just disappeared, and I looked online, and they said he didn't have corona or anything. He was just really really depressed. Yeah, he's yeah he battles from from yes. Well, listen, hey, I will. Uh, if I appreciate that very much. It's very sweet of you to put me out there like that. I was like, I appreciate it. So yeah, hey, listen, tell them all about mental health and wellness. <laughs> yes, yes, he's went through a couple of divorces, I'm sure. And but uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I I was going to tell you, I forgot all about it till then. I just happened to think about him because I know he's a Jersey guy. And then <laughs> the other guys, the other guys, I'd love to hear you engage with. Of course, is uh, you know, uh, is it Red Bank or Red River out there? Oh, Red Bank. Um, uh, Kevin Smith. Oh yeah. Okay. You, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You would be okay. He's got that. They're about to do a, a Mall Rats number two. You, they, mm-hmm. I, I told him I was like, you ought to let her be in it. You'd be perfect for it. Um. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. You should become my manager. <laughs> yeah. See, I, if I had, I don't know how to manage, but I, like, I, I can try. Like, well, that's all you have to do is plug me and get me work. You're already doing it. You're plugging yeah. me to Artie Wang and other people. So you're yeah, but he, doing he better than my actual agent. <laughs> he disappeared on me. So, but um, anyway, let's give everybody your social medias and how yeah. to find you and um. And uh, and then I'll put you on this podcast, and I will send it to you Sunday, and you will awesome. be with uh, Ronda Rousey's mom, who's very sweet. She's a PhD, and then Paul wow. McCartney's Paul McCartney's uh, mum has a PhD. I, can, I cannot believe that you got Paul McCartney's mom on here. That's awesome. If um, uh, if you want to talk to her, I could probably get her for you too. She's super sweet. Yeah, please do. Any like that's amazing. Um, okay, so. My social media is Divorce Diaries Show on all platforms: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. TikTok, um, and then I also have my personal page, Michelle Trina. You can hit up both. I would love it if you would subscribe to my YouTube channel and the podcast, which yeah. uh, is also a mix of the scripted pilot that I'm building. So, cool. Divorce Diaries Show. Yeah. If uh, yeah, if you're if you're divorcing or have been divorced, this is the place to be. And you know what? Even if you're not, I had a married couple sponsor my show a couple weeks ago, and yeah, they're so they're never divorced. Yeah, they're the best. And I met her on Instagram. She's a divorce. She's a married pageant mom, and she's like, no, I think your shit's funny as hell. I was like, okay, yeah. hey. Um, and, and my little buddy Adam, he uh, that oh, actually, yeah, Adam was on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, my my buddy, his, that changed the whole trajectory of his life uh, since he went and saw your show. He he didn't seem as depressed anymore. He's actually, you'll be proud to know, he just got his interview. He's going to, he's he's in the running to become a police officer himself. Yes, he told me, and I, I knew Adam was on the pa- the man panel episode on the podcast. He is great. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear that. Yeah, he is he's a rock great. star. Yeah. He's- a good guy. He's from uh, Philadelphia, so you and him are my only northern friends. Oh, I see. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. 
Dude, that's one of the oh. people. People have been teasing us. The reason the corona isn't hitting us is because it doesn't infect inbred people. That's what people have been telling me. <laughs> oh my gosh, how rude is that? And that wraps up this Sunday's Happy Mother's Day edition of the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart to take the time to listen. Uh, without you, there would be no podcast. I really enjoy it, and I appreciate you taking the time. If you know anybody you think would be an awesome guest, email me, Josh Belcher, that's with a B, at hotmail.com, and send me their information. We might get them on the show, or at least attempt to. And uh, just to really appreciate you. I hope you have a great, awesome week. And remember, I love you for you and where you're at in life. Blessings, safe travels, and I hope you stay safe and healthy as the world seems to be opening up sometime this week. All right, we'll catch you later down the line. All right. <laughs>